0: Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors magazine. If you like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors magazine. If you're frustrated with typical hunting and fishing magazines and tired of reading content, for guys that are up in the North or up in the Midwest, check out Great Days Outdoors magazine. Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't fish or hunt in your home state. You can pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and it will help you become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And also brought to you by LS Tractor. LS Tractor is known for building top-quality, high-value tractors. Headquartered in Battleboro, North Carolina, they specialize in tractors ranging from 22 to 101 horsepower. LS Tractor offers a full line of subcompact, compact, and utility tractors, as well as a growing list of implements and attachments. LS Tractor is committed to providing personal, customer service, and quality products through an exceptional dealer network throughout the U.S. and Canada. For more information on LS Tractor or LS Tractor products, please visit lstractorusa.com. Start blue, stay blue. I'm your host, Joe Baia, here today with my co host, Butch Theory. Today, Butch, we're going to be talking about something that I don't know if I'd call it a sore subject, but I often find myself kind of frustrated when I look at the stewardship of my land as a whole. A lot of times it just feels like, it almost feels like I'm forced into making a compromise that I I don't really want to make. You know, like if if there's a spectrum of maybe maximum ecosystem benefit over to maximum economic benefit, I can't always do the things that I want to do that are maximum ecosystem benefit because I I have to make this property be a good investment. If it's not a good investment, then, you know, I shouldn't have bought it in the first place. Do you ever feel that way with, with your place?
1: Um, those two things do not always align, you know, as far as the budget and everything that you would like to do to your land. Um, right. I feel like sometimes as landowners, we sometimes have to make sacrifices in order to be able to budget for the things that we want to do on our land and to do better things for the wildlife.
0: It feels that way, at least. I mean, you know, sometimes you, you got to do a clear cut when you really didn't. That's right. You would have preferred to maybe do a thinning
1: or harvest pine straw sometimes yeah. whenever and you don't really don't want to disturb that wildlife necessarily.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean like, you know, I, I talk to people all the time who, you know, they they're planting loblolly instead of longleaf because of purely economic reasons. I mean, it, you know, they, they they would prefer to have longleaf, but they they're going with loblolly. It's not everybody in every scenario, but there's a lot of other income streams that are out there for your land that don't require you to take anything off of it. I mean, you and I have learned about more and more of this over for the sure. last few years. Uh, and and that's what the goal of today's show is going to be, is landowners who are looking for alternative income streams and maybe what they're aware of. Uh, we're going to get into all these today. The issue with those is that it can be kind of hard to figure out where all of them are. <laughs> How do you apply for them? How do you
1: get access? Implement it. Yeah, yeah. Some of it seems, you know, you hear all these grand stories of all these different things where people made a bunch of money off of various things, you know, carbon right. credits and all this stuff. And I, it's just kind of hard to decipher a little bit. Cause I mean, we love the land. We love the hunting. Well, let's be honest, man. It's expensive. Yeah. And you gotta be able to cover your basis before you can do anything extra. Most of That's the right. time or for me, I am, I'm not an extremely wealthy person that has money to do exactly what I want to do at the point that I want to do it in.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't have uh, so much money coming in elsewhere that I can just put, you know, make my land be my passion project yeah. and just Infinite not care, you know. Income, right. Yeah. That'd be great.
1: I mean, line me up. I'm down. Yeah,
0: I'm ready. I'm ready for uh, <laughs> ready for that. Uh, maybe I can inherit something from you or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah, no. Right. I mean, A lot of debt. Yeah, today uh, we're going to be talking with Zach Harris of NCX, NCX.com. We're going to be learning about, all the different potential income streams a lot of them really passive income streams that your land may be eligible for zach welcome to hunting land you know it can be a frustrating thing to try to figure out if your land is eligible for all the different landowner assistance programs that are out there um, but once you learn what's out there it's 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 motivating it's inspiring. I want to before we get into all those things i really want to know how you got into this like what's your background
2: sure well first uh joe butch uh really appreciate you having me on uh great to be here uh excited mm-hmm. to chat with you guys about all these different programs and how uh how landowners can get involved and uh yeah get paid for for some of the benefit and value their their property can create uh so how did i get into this i i um probably like A lot of the the listeners that you have, I spent a lot of time in the woods in North. Oh, a lot of time in the woods. uh, Period. And then uh, for me, that was in North Alabama. So I I grew up around um, sort of Huntsville area, and really, you know, as a kid, just spent time. You know, I thought when I was in first grade, I, you know, I study bugs. I uh, from you know second grade through most of elementary school, I. I just wanted to study animals, be like a zoologist or something, spent time trying to figure out tracks and where they were and why they were there, that that kind of thing, um, then geology. And and then when I was 13, I met a guy who was a forester, um, and it was the coolest thing to me because it seemed like the combination of all of those different systems that I really uh, loved and, and found so interesting, uh, but also sort of this the combination of that with economics and uh, with sort of how we you know, as individuals, as, as families, as communities, how we rely on, on farms and forests and, and pasture. And so that was, that was sort of the start for me. Uh, but when I got into it, initially I thought I, you know, I would be working out in the woods somewhere, not, you know, not talking to you guys on a podcast, but um, as I really got into it, uh, started thinking critically about, about how we value these spaces and uh, how we can develop markets uh, to, pay people to incentivize the development of the things that we, that we care about so much. Um, you know, wildlife, water, uh, these, these different things, these different services that, that land provides. And so, uh, started working on just measurements to inform these markets and and now the growth of these markets through, through the platform that we have at, at ncx.com.
0: Very cool. I think a lot of landowners find themselves at that intersection of the ecosystem and the enterprise or, you know, uh, I've heard other people say, you know, their passion and the, and the profit side of it, because they have to go hand in hand for most people. There are, you know, folks that are making a bunch of money elsewhere and, and the land gets treated the way the land is supposed to get treated, you know, money be damned. But I don't think that's most people. Most people need this to be able to be managed sustainably, not only for their own good, but I mean, I think about it too. I want to be able to you know, maybe it's pie in the sky, but I'd really like for someday the land that I have to pass down to my sons and, and for them to know how to manage it in a way that is going to be profitable for them, but also good for the ecosystem there, you know, and, uh, it, it just does oftentimes feel like, uh, you, you, you gotta make compromises one way or the other. And it, I, I guess the whole idea would be to find the middle ground right like the 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 intersection of both those things but too often for me it feels like it's way over to one end of the spectrum like we're doing this just for the money or we're doing this just for the wildlife right do you ever feel that way yourself
2: i mean absolutely i mean that's that's really that's really the perspective i'm coming at this uh from i mean everybody knows there's more value to a forest or you know than than what you can just cut down and, and roll away i mean when asked most most landowners like in a survey most of them say it's it's legacy you know it's it is the you know passing land down to their to their kids it is and it's wildlife you know it's caring for these things that they you know that they love and and we all know that everybody knows that it's just up until now we've done a terrible job of measuring and paying for anything except for timber and and the crops you can cut down and, and roll away and that's the exciting thing and The interesting thing for landowners is that that's beginning to shift. That's starting to change. And a lot of these programs, a lot of these different opportunities that are coming down the pike, they are measuring and paying for the exact same things that landowners care most about that. They all like that. It aligns with the reasons that they own the property in the first place. Um, And that's that creates the potential to, to find a better line for that trade off, Joe. And that's, but it's complicated because those trade-offs, those trade-offs, <laughs> they have a lot of nuance wrapped up in them, mm-hmm. and there's not a one-size-fits-all solution for any given acre. You know, it takes it takes the ecology into account. You know, it takes the economics into account, and, and first and foremost, it, it has to take the landowner objectives into account. And that's that's really the, the place that we want to help make things easier for the landowner uh, and clearer.
1: Yeah, every piece of property is different. Every landowner is going to be different. That's right. um, different objectives. And and Joe said a minute ago, I think he jumped the gun a little bit talking about frustrations that landowners go through trying to find this balance as far as getting help with some of these things that do cost real money. I think you're alluding to the fact that people know about all these things, Joe. It's a very new thing for even you and I, pretty much. I mean, we've been doing this for, I'm, you know, I've been on family land for 25 years um, and these things are just coming to light in the last three or four years, I feel like. So let's talk about NCX.com a little bit. Um, we alluded to it a little bit there, obviously. What is the value that NCX.com brings to landowners and and how can they do that?
2: Sure. So to be clear, like I started this company 14 years ago and I, it was out of work that I was doing to measure forests with satellite imagery, always with this idea that we could use that information to create markets in not just timber, but wildlife habitat, water, fire risk reduction, carbon, all of those different things but when we started you know 14 years ago those markets really were in their just they barely existed and uh we went to work with most of the major land owning companies in the US just measuring and and then supporting some of those uh some of those early programs when they were in their infancy about 4 years ago we opened up a program um for landowners of any size for them to to engage in carbon markets and in that process, we signed up over 30 million acres, 20,000 plus landowners. So bigger than the state of of North Carolina or right at about the same size. So many landowners putting up their hands saying that they were interested, but so many of those landowners also like saying, how does this work? How does this work in conjunction with X, Y, and Z? like Like the thousand things that you can choose to do with your land. And when you choose to do those things, it you know, it may open up some doors and it may close some doors. And so what we saw, what we observed there is there was so much confusion and so much opportunity. Uh, we wanted to help help clear that, uh, help alleviate some of that frustration that Joe was, Joe was talking about there and, and help make it easy to navigate the hundreds of possible choices uh, landowners have here. on the on the flip side of that the markets are shifting we saw that with carbon the thing like the carbon credits as we were developing them demand grew and changed and shifted and so when we were looking at what what types of programs private companies wanted to incentivize it was all across the board so instead of just offering one or two programs to landowners ncx.com is the collection of all of the possible programs public and private it is the one stop place for a landowner to look at their property or, you know, another property and say, what's possible? What can I do?
0: What pays? Determining eligibility is kind of a arduous process I've learned so far. I mean, you know, you, you can go back to the landowner's objectives, right. And start there. And like for me personally, like I mentioned, I'm trying to find that intersection between maintaining a healthy ecosystem or, wildlife and aesthetics and recreation and all the things that we like to do on the property and you know having a profitable enterprise uh there on that piece of land and you know going back to just one example when i bought my property it was it was a a uh varying stages varying ages of loblolly pine plantation uh mixed with some you know it's about 50 50 hardwoods bottomland hardwoods and uh, pine plantation and I really wanted to restore longleaf. I wanted to do that because that historically, through research, I knew that that's what was on that property originally. And I wanted to be able to maintain fire on the landscape throughout all growing phases. And met with some different foresters. Some foresters liked my ideas. Some foresters did not like my ideas. Uh, but ultimately settled on, on uh, with a, for- a consultant forester who could see the vision, had, de- had done this before, had converted Loblolly to Longleaf. And in doing that, I learned that there are programs out there that also want me to do that, you know, that want me to put Longleaf on my property and want to help me pay for those Longleaf pine seedlings um, on the property. That being said, great. Now I know that there's somebody that wants to help me fund this, but getting now that what? done is an arduous process. Right. Right how how have you guys solved that
2: well first the uh joe you mentioned the the word eligibility there and one thing that's you know not everybody's land can support longleaf pine that's amazing it's one of my favorite forest types um for sure but one of the benefits of working with ncx.com is behind the scenes when you you know when you sign up when you say here's my property we're taking that you know we're taking that you know, the parcel on the map, and we make that as easy as possible to to find that and to, to select that. But we're taking that, and we're comparing it to, you know, just 10, 20, 30 layers of data about the type and composition of forest that you already have, the soils, you know, all of the different ecological parameters that are important for that property and the qualification criteria for all the different programs that might line up with that, that might, you know, incentivize in your case, you know, the development of longleaf pine. And so that's that's one of the benefits right there is just sort of the instant access to not just all the programs, but the ones specifically that would work for, you know, for your property. And then when considering those programs, when you have those in front of you, seeing the different context um, for how they might work, uh, how they might pay, and then like you're saying there, Joe, how you can actually execute on getting connected with and and signed up for the program and executing the work, uh, helping connect the dots for the landowner on what that whole uh, cycle is going to be
0: it seems like and you know talking to landowners i get to talk to a lot of landowners of all different stripes folks that own you know 10 acres on up from there to yeah. some of the biggest landowners are, that that you've heard of and one of the things i've noticed is that a lot of times the larger the holdings the larger the landowner it seems like they have the resources to maybe put somebody in charge of going out and getting determining eligibility, signing up and and dealing with the process of landowner assistance programs, but down on the smaller end of the spectrum, it's just up to them. It's up to the landowner. So it kind of it to me it seems like NCX is level in the playing field so to speak. Do you feel like you guys have done that? Is it is that an a- accurate understanding?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, certainly one of our objectives is is making these programs accessible to every landowner. And the deal is Most of America is, you know, when you look at it on an acreage basis, you know, private ownerships, it's small ownerships, it's, you know, or small, (laughs) smaller than a thousand acres, smaller than 5,000 acres. Um, And, you know, small in the way where they don't, you know, you don't have a full-time person helping you find all the different ways that you can, that you can work with your land. And that's different now. I mean, that, like, that is what NCX.com is for, for that landowner, for, you know, for you. For my father, who owns uh, some land in, in North Alabama, uh, for my brother-in-law's family, who who owns land in Mississippi, it's it is leveling the playing field. It's um and it's opening doors. It's making it possible for everybody to consider with full view of of what the opportunities are, what's
1: best for them, what's best for their land. Yep, definitely seems pretty awesome. Um, you know, we always like to hear uh, real life examples or you know a story where these things actually work. Do you have any real life examples where NCX was able to help somebody get something done that they could not have elsewhere got done or something easier?
2: Sure. So, you know, Joe, you mentioned sort of your initial interest in in longleaf pine and then finding out that, you know, there are lots of people in America that are interested in having you plant longleaf pine. And it turns out that there are lots of businesses that want to be connected to the kind of benefits, you know, especially wildlife benefits that planting longleaf pine creates. and so. With that, there are both public and private programs that that make funding available for landowners. And one of the best things, Butch, it, for me has been sitting down with a landowner and piecing through this, not just finding one program or two, but finding it's like a thinking of a particular landowner in Central Alabama, but finding three programs that lined up that individually wouldn't have made sense necessarily, but collectively the three of them. Um, Made it work out in such a way that they could plant. And this was long leaf. They could plant. They could make it make sense, uh, and they could do the thing on their property that they had wanted to do in the first place. And so that is seeing that line up to where it's meeting the landowner objectives, but also it's it's meeting the objectives of our you know or our broader community that wants to see these things on on the ground, wants to see the you know the wildlife and ecology and. In this case, in Alabama, develop in that way.
1: That, yeah, that's amazing. Yep, that's the definitely the ultimate goal.
0: I like what you said about you're helping landowners do what they want to do, and and find a way to generate income off of that. Because that's that goes back to what I was saying at the very beginning of the show about the frustrations. Is when I look at things and I say, well, if money was no if money was no object, if that wasn't in my concerns then I probably wouldn't do this exactly the way that I'm doing it. Or, or I feel like I'm being pulled that way a lot of times. You know, a lot of times when I learn about a new practice or I learn about something I can do to benefit the property, it always seems like there's this trade-off, you know? It's like, oh, okay, so you're going to have to fork out your pocketbook if you want to do this. I, you know, I yeah. see. Um, and, and you know, I, I signed up on NCX.com, and what was really eye-opening to me was how many programs were out there. And I started to see things that, number one, I mean, I, I think most people have probably at this point heard of like longleaf uh, restoration efforts and there's right. some money out there for that. And there's, they maybe have heard that there's some money out there for prescribed fires and things. That, at least you're in the part of the world that we're in. A lot of people have heard of different programs that are out there, but I didn't realize how many and how diverse the programs are. I mean, I, one of the things, like I mentioned, my property's about, hardwoods. There's some really good, beautiful white oaks and and swamp chestnut oaks in there that I absolutely love. And then there's a lot of hickory and uh, sweet gum that are competing with those oaks that I'd like to go in and and really release some of those oaks from that competition. And I was looking at that going, that's going to be a lot of work. You know, that's going to be a lot of weekends out there doing hack and squirt or some other type of, you know, management practice. And then I get on NCX.com and I find that there's actually a program out there for crop tree release. was was very interested to see that. So let's talk about some of the different available programs that are out there. Um, you mentioned carbon credits as kind of how NCX was originally started. What are some That's of right. the harvest deferral programs that are out there? Uh, how can they benefit landowners, not only from an income perspective, but also just from a management of their property perspective?
2: Yeah, so for the typical landowner in... Um... In Alabama, there are a handful of different carbon programs um, for them. I mean, that, you know, harvest deferral is really looking at mature forests that exist already on their, on their property or standing forest uh, and paying landowners effectively for their harvest rights for some period of time to grow that forest longer, to hold uh, carbon that's valued by, you know, seen as a benefit by uh, private companies that want that that benefit associated with their, with their work, with their products and services. Uh, So with that, you know, with these handful of programs, there are a couple different aspects, you know, different payment, payment setups, some that pay upfront for, for those harvest rights. So, and then, you know, annual payments thereafter some that where the payment is a little bit more backloaded, uh, some that are longer. So 20 year programs, some longer still 40 year and 60 year programs. Uh, So really, you know, Landowners now, as they're going on and looking at carbon, carbon, I would say, like that market is still in a way, it's like a, it's like a toddler. It's uh, still trying to figure it out a little bit. But the programs that exist, while they won't work for every landowner, for some landowners they're going to work really well. And so that's that's harvest deferral when combined with certain wildlife programs, uh, you know, public programs, uh, it can it can sweeten the pot and make it really easy for. You know, for certain landowners on certain acres to say, "Yeah, that meets my needs."
1: I feel like we're we're. I was looking on you guys' website. Uh, the regenerative, the regenerative agriculture. I've been hearing that a lot. of while. I feel like yeah. it's kind of a buzzword right now in our right. realm and arena. What is regenerative agriculture, and um, what about some of the programs that you guys offer there for landowners, and how can it benefit them?
2: Yeah, think of it as a just an umbrella term for just a collection of practices that are somewhat different. Uh, some like the ones, you know, the ones that just recently went on uh, on our platform and are available for landowners now are focused on pasture, uh, on changing, you know, grazing regimes, uh, to still perhaps have the same head, a number of head of cattle, but to, to move them around the field differently. And in, in a way that, that results in more carbon being stored in the soil. And, you know, there may be additional costs associated with, uh, with changing the practices, but the design of these programs is such that the, the payment should make it more than worth your while. And for, um, so that's, you know, that's, uh, regenerative ag for, for pasture, there's regenerative ag type programs, uh, for row crops for, you know, that again, it's just a, it's a shift of practices that results in, in some valued benefit. In, in this case, typically carbon storage in the soil.
0: Zach, we've talked a little bit about uh, no-till food plotting uh, on this podcast. Uh, is, are no-till practices part of that regenerative agriculture? You know, in some instances, like you mentioned with, with row cropping, does that come into it?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And just like we were talking about before, there's no one size fits all for, you know, for an acre. The evolution of a lot of these programs is for them to be much more tailored to the ecology and economics of, of your property. So there isn't, you know, there's not a a quick and easy definition. And and so that's one of the reasons, like that's one of the initial complications, one of the initial sort of showstoppers for a lot of landowners is looking at this and being like, well, there's, what is the thing? What is, you know, just tell me what I could, what I could potentially do. Well, there are lots of programs that in many cases have lots of sort of different ways of engagement that, that may work different, like that may work for your property and not for your neighbors. So that's, that's really One of them is no-till for, you know, for row crops. And so that's, uh, but not available for every crop and for every field. And so that's, that's really where it just, we want to simplify it. You don't have to get a degree in this, you know, to, to figure it out. You just, here's my property. What can I do? And, uh, and go from there.
0: You know, what is uh, available to me in central Alabama may not be available in the Missouri Ozarks, but how many various programs are out there? Like, how many do you guys offer in, in total? And is that number just kind of changing every day? Or are y'all constantly bringing on new ones?
2: Uh, I mean, it's it's increasing. I mean, every every week for us. I mean, we're we're just over 100 that I think are going to go, you know, are going to be live now. And that's looking at the ones we're going to be bringing on over the next, you know, next six months. It's, I expect hundreds uh, to be available. And, and part of the curation, part of like the, you know, the way of putting this together for landowners is to help clarify the categories, uh, and then within those categories, what are the best opportunities? Which ones may stack? Where might they stack on your property? Uh, and really, just kind of help guide through that process, uh, because otherwise, if you're just confronted with a wall of 200 programs, it's um, that's
1: a little overwhelming.
0: That's a showstopper. Yeah. That's yeah, it's a lot. Dawning Well, yeah. we mentioned we mentioned earlier the tree planting programs that are out there. I mean, if you're interested in you know, like, like me converting the long leaf, uh, there's certainly opportunities for people in the right areas. So I know there's tree planting programs. I, I noticed there's recreational programs on there. What do y'all have going on with recreation programs?
2: Yeah, there are a handful of programs, um, that have sprung up that, you know, some, you know, for hunting leases, some, uh, just, you know, there are, there are a few that are well fishing, you know, if, if you, if you have land that's adjacent to, to water bodies, uh, others that are, you know, just, like for hiking or something along those lines, it's it's for all the reasons that a lot of people wind up having land of their own. Uh, there are potentially folks that are eager to pay to have some fraction of access to to those to those opportunities. And so, yeah, there you know for most for most properties, you'll see three or four different recreational um, lease type type engagements that you could contemplate.
1: Zach, you know we've been kind of harping on longleaf pine. As you mentioned, that's kind of your favorite forest. We're we're partial to those as well for many reasons, sure. um, and we know the assistance out there for those for those seedlings. Um, what are some of the other options available?
2: Well, for a lot of the companies that are interested in buying carbon credits, the thing that they're most excited about is paying landowners to plant trees. It Seems really simple because you know it's, anyone could look at a place and say, "Well, there's no trees, and you know I've paid, and now there are trees, and so that's that's got to be good," and you know, it's, it's payment for planting hardwoods. Uh, it's, you know, it's uh payment for a number of different species in a number of different places. And so, like you say, it's not just longleaf for some, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's payment to plant uh, loblolly pine where they're, you know, the uh, soil around the roots has been inoculated with native fungal colonies that are going to help it grow better. Fungal colonies that would normally be there, except we lost them when we converted to agriculture. And now that we're planting back, it's, good to have them back. And so that's um that's a program right now that's up on uh uh available for for landowners that are planting this spring. So really, you know, even if you're outside of the outside of the coastal plain, longleaf belt, there, if you even if you're on the periphery of where you've seen people plant uh profitably before, there are lots of opportunities for different species, different densities. Uh, for payment for carbon uh, and payment for carbon with a, a strong interest in biodiversity and wildlife. Um, so uh, I'd encourage anybody to to take a look at at those. If you have any, you know, if you have open land uh, that you've been thinking about planting yourself or would be interested, there's there's likely something there for
0: you. You know, kind of in keeping with longleaf, right? Like because that's what we've been hitting on a little bit. That's what I'm eligible for. I know. I was recently talking to the NRCS and, you know, learn that there's even a greater preference on landowners who have gopher tortoise habitat. Would that, would gopher tortoise funding, uh, would that fall into the biodiversity bucket of programs?
2: So yes, uh, and and there are, you know, there certainly, you know, there are public programs, so state, you know, state and and federal programs that uh, are going to encourage Planting and, and prioritize planting and gopher tortoise uh, habitat, but also from and this is new uh, from private companies uh, from private companies that not only want to purchase carbon credits, but they want to purchase carbon credits from places and from practices that result in you know better wildlife habitat, especially for for species like gopher tortoise or indigo snake or or those that are associated with that with that type of type of forest, but not just limited to that. I mean, it's, uh, it's Oak Hickory in, in the Appalachian. It's uh, if you have acres, there are, you know, there are likely combinations of, uh, of programs with, you know, with central focus, either on carbon, perhaps on wildlife with, uh, you know, payment from public programs or strong interest from private, you know, private dollars that that are all geared to help landowners
1: make a move and, Yeah. And especially plant trees. Yeah. planting trees is good for sure. I can under, I can understand why, why the private companies would, would like to get in on the ground floor, so to speak, and, uh, you know, get those seedlings. that way they get credit for the carbon all the way up. I think that.
2: Yep. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely it. And it's, you know, for them, it's, it's most of those programs have annual payments to the landowner year over year. And, you know, the landowner commitment is to main, you know, just to the extent possible, help maintain those, uh, those stands, um, but yeah, year over year, there's a carbon benefit. And so there's a payment in, in most cases to, to the landowner.
0: All right, folks, we'll be right back. Y'all take a minute and check out some of the businesses that make this show free for you every episode. This week's show is brought to you by Farm Credit of Northwest Florida. Farm Credit of Northwest Florida has over a century of experience providing financing for people who live, work, or play in the country. Farm Credit is here to help you make your dream of country living a reality. Their unique cooperative structure allows them to return some of their profits back to their borrowers. This patronage distribution effectively lowers a borrower's rate. To get started with your first or next land purchase, give them a call at 855-GO-RURAL or visit them at www.gorural.net. And also brought to you by Mallard Bay Outdoors. Mallardbay.com is the Airbnb style marketplace for discovering and booking your next guided hunting and fishing adventures. The Mallard Bay platform was built by Sportsman for Sportsman. Their mission is to help expand access to affordable and successful hunting by connecting you with verified outfitters across the United States. You can browse trips and prices by state or species, select the dates you'd like to go, message outfitters, and secure your dates all from one platform, mallardbay.com. Not sure where you want to go yet? Reach out on Instagram or Facebook, and they can help you find your dream hunt. Zach, what I found really interesting in looking at the programs that I'm eligible for, you know, I saw that I was eligible for crop trees, you know, for for mass production, like I mentioned earlier, something I wanted to do anyway. Uh, I noticed there was another program out there for woody wildlife habitat, you know, like, which has been on my place plenty. I mean, I've got den trees and hollow oaks, you know, everywhere. I mean, there's a ton of that habitat. And if you walk through there with a timber buyer, they're looking at it and they're not real impressed. You know, they're just kind of like, you know, it's not, this is just pulpwood or maybe, maybe pallets or something like that, you know, but you walk through there with an ecologist and they're super excited, you know, because there's a ton of habitat in, in those snags and those den trees and uh, all that debris that's left around. And there's a program for that, you know? And so I noticed that like, golly, there's a program for just, there's a, already a program for stuff that I already am doing. There's a program for stuff that I want to do you know, all the way down to, we're going up this weekend to put in fire breaks, you know, wildfire risk programs. Is that another area that, you know, landowners can get assistance?
2: Absolutely. Water, um, wildfire risk reduction, especially out West, you know, you're, you're hitting on a lot of these, you know, the wildlife components, it's just different lenses of looking at the same acre and seeing value. And it's value that we would have seen before, you know, somebody out there hunting 20, 30 years ago, you know, They'd see dentries, they'd see some of the same things, and they would value it personally. But what's different now is we're we're starting to see prices put on on a lot of these benefits. So that it is, you know, and it's not to the exclusion of timber. Like it's right. timber too. Uh, and you know, our you know, we're going to be showing timber as a as an opportunity for landowners. But the exciting thing is when you think about all of these things all together, it may, you know, it is. Perhaps harvesting, you know, it's but it's not clear cutting. In some cases, uh, it might be more thinning to create the kind of upland bird habitat that's that you want and that other right. people, even though they'll never perhaps set foot on your property, that they want in this world too. That they want to associate with their work, and that's you know, it's putting a price on nature, and we like this is. Again, this is like in the infancy. This is like, this is early days for these markets. And so for many landowners, there are opportunities that they're going to look at and they should jump on them. They're great. For others, they're going to look at them and it's going to, now is the time to educate yourself. Now is the time to look at and to to begin to understand how uh, these prices are being set, how they compare today to your timber opportunity and begin keeping tabs on them to understand how they're going to compare three months from now six months from now next year because these markets are growing and they're evolving and you know i see my job as keeping tabs on all of those changes and making all of those changes easy to understand easy to discover easy to navigate for landowners and ultimately for them you know for them to find the thing that is going to work best for them and in the end the the net result of all of this is that acres are simply worth more like the, the deal is like, if you're a landowner, if you, you know, if, if land is something you're excited about, the deal is you're right. Land is really valuable. It's really valuable. And uh, we're just, the markets are starting to recognize that. And that's, that's exciting. Yeah, it, it opens up a lot of doors uh, for, for landowners and, uh, and it opens up a lot of doors for people who are looking to become landowners uh, and looking for new ways, perhaps to make, help pay the way into uh, into that engagement to be land stewards.
0: Well, and like timber, if you're looking at a timber property or you're looking at a pasture property or you're looking at a row crop property, like you kind of have that thing, right? You're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm estimating that this timber stand is going to be able to produce this amount of income over time. And then I'm going to get the natural appreciation of the dirt and that is kind of how you arrive at your value for that property. Now, now we're going, no, it's not just timber. I mean, timber is a component of it. And I really like what you said too. Like, it's not always about, harvest deferral. It's not always about planting. Sometimes it's about going in and cutting some trees down and creating an open stand. It's, it's yeah. not. It, it
2: could be accelerating harvest. Yeah. You're right.
0: I just went through and thinned my place and the wildlife benefits mm-hmm. have been amazing, you know, as well as being able to take some income off the property. So yeah, I really do like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, and it's not totally different than where we've been before. I mean, they're, if we're just going to look briefly at like a U.S. South context, I mean, they're Lots of new markets have opened up. We haven't, you know, farmers hadn't always been planting soy. These are just different products. They're different products that, that our communities are demanding, that they want to see. It's just that these products, people aren't taking physical delivery of them off site. You're growing them on site. so it's just now you look at an acre and it's either, you know, if it's an acre you own, then what are the best products that you could grow? that are going to pay. And then how does that align with what you want to do with that property? And I think what we're going to find increasingly year over year, month over month is those things are getting closer together. I mean, the people, you know, the, the landowners that are buying these properties that own these properties to, to hunt, to steward, you know, for future generations, like that is, you know, just like you were talking about Joe, like that, that's exactly what, um, what sort of these markets are pointing towards now, it's just that the prices match what you already know is valuable or beginning to match.
1: Yeah, I like what you just said about making each acre, each parcel, each acre and each parcel as valuable as possible, That's right. and that goes hand in hand with making it as best as possible for the wildlife itself on that property, and you know, not just the landowner benefiting. This itself.
2: yeah, it should be one, one on, on the one same. a
1: larger scale. That's right. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier we're talking about stacking your success success story mm-hmm. there in Central Alabama, talking about kind of having multiple programs going at the same time. Um, We already know that's possible from that recent discussion, but what would some of those look like? What, what is a, what is a example of some stacking that you have had, had success with?
2: Yeah. So a carbon program, like a planting, a carbon planting program uh, that may stack easily with a uh, public incentive program for something like longleaf, which might cover your site prep. The carbon program might cover the seedlings and the planting. And so by the time you are done with these two, you know, with these two programs, like, you know, the two programs, you already have, you know, your trees in the dirt and, and growing. And, you know, you may still retain the timber rights on those. You might, you know, though it's like a 60-year agreement, the value still goes with those trees and therefore the value stays with you in, on, on the acre. And so that, you know, simple little example there from maintaining those, you know, Joe, you mentioned some of the prescribed burning incentives. So it's just, it's like lining these things up.
0: Like a longleaf pine seedling program, you know, a longleaf pine planting pl- program aligns very well with a prescribed fire program. That's for um, sure. What, what I'm hearing you say is that you can stack these programs on the same acre. So it's not just one program per acre. Like you, is there a limit to this or is it based on the program? I mean-
2: Yeah, absolutely. Some of, yep, it, it absolutely is. So many, like each of these programs, you know, there are incentive programs that are really, you know, they're not, you're not selling rights necessarily, but for many of the carbon programs, you are selling your harvest rights or timber rights for some period of time. And so keeping tabs on those, which ones, which ones stack on a given acre and which ones are exclusive. So where if you sign up for one, it's, you know, you can't do the others. That's you know exactly the kind of information that we're providing. It's, You can imagine there's lots of complications with with that type of stuff.
0: Well, but if you're looking at one program that you know, again, I just throwing a number out there, but this program may pay hundred dollars an acre, and the other program pays fifteen dollars an acre. Like you're naturally going to be inclined to go after that fifteen dollar or that hundred dollar an acre program, but you may find that the fifteen dollar an acre can be stacked with two other programs that. Exactly, will increase you right. much higher than a hundred dollars per acre, and you're and you're accomplishing more of what you wanted to do. And so, that's where going back to the beginning here, like that's where it just it's uh, it's just this nebulous of like what all's out there. How do I apply for it? Am I eligible for it? Can I put them together? Am I doing anything? You know, for me, it's always like, am I doing anything wrong? Like, am I am I messing, yeah. am I messing up here? Uh, are people going to come back? out here and look at things later on and say you didn't do this right you know Yep. what i'm yeah. hearing you are, are say you doing is something wrong
2: or are you missing something like are you right. missing yeah and that's really that's why ultimately we we developed in cx in this way rather than just creating one set of you know one program and then trying to elbow in and say like no landowner this is the right one for you it's there are there are lots of them There are going to be an increasing number even over this year we see a lot of them coming down you know that we'll be excited to put in front of landowners as they become, you know, fully open and available, but it's a good time to look. You know, it is a good time for landowners to to take a look. Again, I see like one of the roles that NCX can play is is to help help you have greater assurance that you haven't missed something and that you're not, you know, you're not putting things together that, you know, that you ought not.
0: Well, I've already seen that in you know, in my own experience and I'll give you a specific example, but there was a, there's a program out there right now for Southern pine beetle mitigation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that program was paying for prescribed fire. It's also paying, it was also paying for, uh, thinning. And I'd had, you know, I learned about this program about a, a few months after I had a thinning done on my property. And at that time, the price of timber had gone down a pretty good bit since I had my thinning done. But if I had known about that program, even if I would have had to deal with the lower price that I would have gotten for my timber, I would have made more money by waiting yeah. and being a part of that thinning program because it would have paid for the difference in the timber price plus some. Wow, and great. being able to see something like that coming, You know, there's multiple variables there. And in my head, I was going, it's dry enough the market is okay. It's, it's better than it has been get them in there and let's get, let's get the timber thin because I want to, you know, get it done. It's time to, it's time. It needs it. The forest needs yep. it. But if I had known what all was out there, I could have easily just gone, well, you know, even if the timber price goes down in the right. next six it's months, like while. it would have to go down X a percent lot. a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot, you know, for that not to make sense, if I can get funded. So it would have made sense for me to wait. But I didn't know that program was out there. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't ignored. It just wasn't known about. Right. And you have to know about the programs first off. Then you have to know what they pay and what the commitments are and that kind of thing. How can a lender really determine the best return if they're eligible for the for multiple programs that cannot be stacked?
2: Right. So, you know, we just introduced a tool to to sort of show that you know the value of these different programs and to be able to put those side by side you know, for, for lenders, and we're going to be expanding that tool and you'll see a lot of development uh, on that over the coming, you know, three and six months. But yeah, our objective is to kind of show likelihood of success, you know, do you qualify? And then one of the other ones, Joe, is like, is this, you know, sometimes there are programs and they're not well-funded or mm-hmm. there are, you know, applica- applications go in and 1% get, get right. accepted. And so how, what can you actually expect from this? And that's, that's mostly public programs um, that I'm talking about there. Uh, but the other is a lot of these programs pay out over a long period of time. And so you might see a headline number that looks really good, but it's paying out 30 years from now. And so how, how should you think about that? And so we've, we've introduced a, this time adjusted, uh, you know, payment, you know, time adjusted value for, for landowners to kind of show apples to apples, you know, how, how you might think about some of the payments, especially, you know, when. Some of them are right up front, right at the beginning to help cover those costs right day one and others that are either spread out over a long time or maybe even paying at the very end.
0: I like what you said about the percentage of success. That is something that I also was not, when I first was exposed to landowner assistance programs, you know, I saw this opportunity, right? Like all I saw was the opportunities like, oh man, there's a program for this and a program for that. And, yeah. you, know, I, I, you know, I've got... Japanese climbing fern on my property. Oh, there's an invasives program. You know, I'm seeing all this stuff out there. And then after the second year of of being eligible but not being selected, I was like, "What gives?" You know, did I fill something out wrong? Did I? Yeah. And, then, and I learned, you know, no, there's you know, uh, two million dollars of funding, and there was ten million dollars of applications. Right. So you know that type of thing can really lead to you making different decisions than you would have made. A a specific example on that is like, if I know that there's money out there for longleaf pine planting, it it behooves me to wait. If I think I'm going to be able to get those seedlings paid for, I can give up a certain amount of growth. You know, even if I don't grow the tree this year, I don't know the number on it, you know, but there's a certain amount of time. It just pays to wait because you get the seedling paid for. And that makes up for whatever growth you missed out on. Thinking that you're going to be able to get, be a part of a program and then deferring, putting trees in the ground and then finding out that you didn't, you weren't eligible or excuse that. me, yeah. not, it's not eligibility. It's,
2: you didn't have the high priority, you know, yeah,
0: you didn't have the priority or, or you just, man, there's really wasn't that good of a chance anyway, you yeah. know, is it, good information to have. But I think, again, it all starts with eligibility. Like, am I even eligible for the programs in the first place? And what all am I eligible for? So how, how can a landowner determine if they're eligible with you guys? And how much does that cost?
2: So simple process. So you can get just go to ncx.com, and it is free to create an account. It's easy to go on, kind of navigate with a map to find your parcel. And, you know, it'll be right there on the map. You can click on the, your parcel your parcels. Just say, you know, save, this is my property. And we're going to run the full eligibility analysis in the background. You know, we're, you know, cranking numbers. It used to take us a week, two weeks. Uh, we've got it down to about like five seconds now per property. Don't hold me to that, but it should be right around there. Very cool. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Some some really cool folks on our team that uh, made that possible. But but yeah. So, and then, and from that point, it's, it winnows all of those, you know, all the options down to the ones that you you know, that your land qualifies for. There are a couple uh, there. Well, actually several that we can, you know, we can get you 90% of the way there, but you still have to answer a couple of questions. Um, You know, some of them are like, do you have a management plan or do you have road access for, for this property? Simple things like that. Um, But once you answer those, it'll give you the green qualified or the, you know, red, you know, you don't qualify for this one. Yes. We've tried to make it as easy as possible, Joe. And, you know, to your, to your point, it's, it starts with qualification, starts with educating yourself about the opportunities and yeah. And we're beginning to show some of that, like the economic information, and we're going to be carrying that further to kind of show the likelihood of success and really dig, make it easy to see the economic comparison. So any landowner can go in with eyes wide open about, yeah, what the dollars and cents of these things
1: really would be. That's super valuable.
0: Zach, we've covered a lot today. You guys have been busy over there at, at NCX. A lot of programs folks potentially are eligible for. Sounds like it's pretty uh easy and zero cost to find out if you're eligible for them. Um, where do you guys see things headed for NCX? Like what's your vision for uh what you want to provide for the common landowner?
2: Yeah, thanks, Joe. Um, the way that this is developing, I mean, there are there are a hundred opportunities for landowners now. There are potentially going to be, you know, five hundred in in three years, and the way I see NCX.com right now, it's it is like a one-stop platform for landowners to, and they can see what they qualify for. But when you get to this point where any given landowner, you know, might be being paid to produce ten or twenty different products, you know, wildlife and carbon and timber on on their property, my objective with this is that. We make it easy for them to manage that entire process, that it does not have to be your full time job to sort through the opportunities, to understand where the markets are on this or that, but rather you can take what you have right now, which are your values, your objectives, uh, you can bring that and we'll bring the rest. You know, we'll show you where you can apply those, uh, how it might work, how it might work best for you and um, and create the kind of stewardship that that you want and that, you know, that our communities want uh, for for our nation, for, you know, for this land. Uh, and we talked a little bit of before, you know, we talked about pricing, you know, putting a price on nature. That's where this is going. That is, that is the direction that society is taking this. They are recognizing the value of these things and they're beginning to pay for it. And landowners are going to be the beneficiaries, but for that to work and for that to work at scale, we need to make it accessible. You started out, Joe I think you started out by saying it is frustrating it's frustrating it's been frustrating for you that is your personal experience and that is the experience i've heard from so many landowners and the future of NCX is to make that incredibly easy and to yeah to help the landowner to help them with their stewardship you said you wanted to pass your land down to to your family you had conservation objectives well i bet there's some opportunities for you to to help make all of that possible
0: I hope so. The next time one of those suckers throws a fit, I might change my mind.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's right. You're Uh, out of the will. Off. But yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. And it's been, it's been really incredible, you know, and we've had this platform up for just, you know, in this sort of this place for like six months, um, you know, where we're showing all of the programs rather than just the, you know, that program that we had run. And it's, the response has been incredible and making that available for free, uh, making that, beginning to make that accessible and sort of seeing the, the wheels turn and the, you know, and, and folks start to move on, on some of these programs has, uh, it's been great for, great for us.
1: Great for, great for our partners. So I'm uh, glad to be doing it. Yeah. It's exciting. That's a great word to use there. It is to have, to be able to get help, to do things that are going to make your land better. That's, that's exciting. That excites me. Um, as if everything that we have talked about is not incentive enough for people to, to go check out what they're eligible for. You also mentioned, this is a great time to get in on the ground floor because these things are just now getting, getting cranking. That is also a big incentive incentive for me. I like uh new things and getting on the ground floor of things. That's, that's valuable. Are there any other incentives that should that should that could nudge people to NCX.com?
2: Yeah, uh, so absolutely. So it is so again, just to be clear, it is free for landowners to sign up, uh, to create an account, to look at, at all the different programs um, and engage with those. Uh, in addition to that, we uh this year we're you know kind of created this NCX rewards program for for a number of the programs, the ones um some of these that are that are newer, some of these that are, you know, there's a pressing need for for landowners to, um, these programs need landowners to engage, you know, we're, we're having signing bonuses, uh, for, for landowners, uh, up to $500. It depends on the, the program. So, uh, you can check that out on our, you know, our blog or, or our learning hub there, but yeah, it's really just to encourage landowners to, to get in, to take a look, um, and where it makes sense to, to go ahead and get moving to, to take a shot to do it.
0: Butch, I don't know about you, but talking to Zach like my wheels are turning and feel like a hundred different directions They're all to me it's all positive you know I mean it's it's there's just you know I think my biggest takeaway besides the fact that it's just super easy to go to ncx.com and and determine your eligibility I've done it it's really super easy no commitment no cash out of pocket just go and basically s- explain where your land is and how many acres you have and you can see what you're eligible for super easy, but it was really eye-opening to me to hear, you know, I can get on right now and see hundred programs that are out there, a ton of which I'm eligible for. But hearing Zach say that they think it's going to be maybe 500 programs in three years. How cool is that? That there are people, organizations, private and public that want to be a part of you managing your land in a way that benefits the ecosystem, the environment, you know, uh, and you don't have to take an economic hit to do it that way. That's what I've always felt like, is like, well, you know, I tell somebody I want to plant longleaf and they're like, "Eh, yeah, here's the trade-offs, right? Well, I don't, you know, I don't want trade-offs. I want to be, I want it to be good for everybody and make money.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I think that you're definitely right, man. What they're doing over there is really cool. And I, I just think of it like, Baskets, you know, timber is probably the number one basket. You know, you, you grow your trees, you fit thi- right, you grow your trees, you thin them, you harvest them. If you have long leaf, you can harvest the pine straw. That's another basket. But now there's a hundred baskets, and right. there's going to be five hundred baskets where you can really spread yourself out. And there's so many opportunities to get assistance that it's almost overwhelming. It is, it is overwhelming. But NCX has condensed that down to a digestible process that's easy and free. That was pretty much my biggest takeaway
0: when you talk to old timers in the world of agriculture, what you learn is that people that were really living off the land, they didn't have all their eggs in one basket. They weren't just right. row crop farmers. They weren't just cattlemen, you know, like yeah, they did everything. They did a little bit of everything. And if you had a bad year with timber, it didn't really matter that much. You had some other stuff to fall back on or or vice versa. Right. And, uh, that I see that as like, a, this is a new age version yeah. of that. Diversification. And, uh, It's very cool. Check out ncx.com. See what you're eligible for. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list. And wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you got a show topic that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros@landhunting.com. at That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's show is brought to you by Southern Seed Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients to your deer? If so, try Southern Buck Food Plot Blends. Your deer will love it. At Southern Seed and Feed, they specialize in making textured feed for horses, cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, chickens, small animals, and wildlife. Their products are proven irresistible, scientifically formulated to promote excellent herd health and hunter satisfaction. They supply products to various distributors throughout the South. So visit their website at SouthernSeedFeed.com or call 662 662- 726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. And also, the all-new Alabama Fishing Show is coming to Gadsden, Alabama at the venue at Katusa Landing on George Wallace Drive March 8th through the 10th. The only true fishing show in Alabama featuring all things fresh and saltwater fishing. If you fish, don't miss the latest fishing gear, equipment, and apparel. Custom tackle, lures, rods and reels, electronics and guides. March 8th through the 10th. It's $12 for adults, $8 for kids, and 5 and under are free. There's a kids' fishing tournament on Saturday, ages 4 through 12. Don't miss this event, March 8th through the 10th. Tickets are available online. You can learn more at alabamafishingshow.com.